Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications. Let us know what you think of the episodes. If you have more questions, if you'd like to have us have the guests back on to maybe answer um, some different things or, or just want to let us know about a topic or, or really anything that you'd like to have on the podcast, we love seeing um, your guys' comments, thoughts on episodes on YouTube. And it helps a, a lot with either people who are new to Diesel or they're searching for a particular topic to be able to find uh, our guest in these episodes that we're doing to be able to help people with their Cummins, Duramax, or Power Stroke. On today's episode, a listener had messaged in and said, hey, I've been listening you know, to your emissions episodes, and I'd like to be on to share my thoughts as a diesel enthusiast. Um, so his name is Shelton, and he's going to be joining us today to talk about what he thinks as an enthusiast, someone who has been around diesels for a while, with all that's going on, whether it's um, the Clean Air Act, um, deletes, uh, uh, carb testing, uh, federal testing for parts, his thoughts on why this is happening. So one of the things that we want to do with this topic is have as many different perspectives as possible. And I've seen on the comments on these episodes, um, you know, a lot of, I wouldn't say disagreement, but different perspectives on it. Um, you know, and, and we want to make sure that as we're covering this, we're having as many different perspectives as possible so we can understand um, how an enthusiast may feel, how a company may feel, how, uh, what a lawyer may think about the process. So uh, we enjoy doing these for you guys and being able to cover it, which we think, you know, in historically speaking, uh, I'm not sure that media necessarily wanted to cover this or talk about it from different perspectives. And, and that's why we keep doing them. Uh, before we get to the podcast, I want to thank our friends over at Kershaw Knives. They've got a discount code for you. If you use diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com, you get 20% off site-wide. So no matter what you're looking for, if it's for EDC or hunting, fishing, anything in between, it's a great way to save some money. So if you're in the market, make sure and take advantage of it. All right, let's get to today's episode with Shelton and getting his thoughts and opinions on what's going on with emissions, EPA enforcement, carb, deletes, basically everything that's pertaining to what's happening in automotive right now. Shelton, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I, I always love talking about uh, emissions and you know people's thoughts, and it's one of the things I love doing about this podcast. Um, there's a lot of things I really enjoy about it, but one of them is talking with enthusiasts that are out there and then offering our platform for different points of view, different insights that are out there. So whoever's listening, you know, they can, um, you know, just hear all different sides to it. So I appreciate you reaching out to us, um, you know, telling us you had some ideas and I look forward to chatting with you today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My pleasure. So um, uh, just to put out there, just my history, um, my name is uh, Shelton Whitson. Uh, I am a semi-retired, if you will. (laughs) Uh, diesel technician. I worked on all uh, light duty diesel platforms, uh, Power Stroke, Cummins, uh, Duramax. Uh, we worked on a lot of them, uh, seen a lot of different failures uh, with each of them because um, in all reality, no truck is perfect out there. They all have their issues, um, especially the older the trucks get. You start to yeah. see more electrical related issues uh, the older they get. So, um, <clears throat> 
I am uh, born in Dallas, Texas, as where I'm from. Um, we moved over here to Arizona uh, not too long ago, uh, about three years ago. So uh, change of pace, uh, different different people uh, than Texas. Uh, you know, I'm just a good old East Texas boy, if you will, uh, just growing up in small town, uh, East Texas. So we pretty much grew up around diesels, uh, you know, since I can remember a lot of farmers, uh, you know, that really wanted uh, dependable trucks, uh, you know, out there when they were working on, you know, pulling heavy loads, hay, hay bales, you know, things like that. So um, you can kind of relate to those types of people. And, you know, a lot of those people in those areas, they didn't have a lot of money, you know, they didn't have money to, you know, invest on, uh, you know, a new emission system or, you know, something was to fail, then, you know, the, the way behind that was to, you know, remove the emissions, you know, eliminate the problem uh, because in all reality, um, just to speak my honest opinion about it, um, with emission systems, it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when uh, it's going to fail because you have a lot of different parts. Um, you have, you know, your EGR valve, you have EGR cooler, uh, you know, like six liters, you know, they, you know, six, the EGR cooler rupture, uh, that's pretty common. Um, you know, you have knock sensors, you have def injector, uh, you know, you have a lot of different parts uh, in an emission system just to simplify everything so everybody understands, but um, very expensive uh, to repair and uh, sometimes diagnostic procedures on emission systems can get very in depth, uh, you know, for that reason. So uh, a lot of working parts, uh, so a lot of things to fail. Uh, so simplicity, uh, sim simplicity is key yeah. <laughs> in all of that. So uh, pretty much eliminating the problem. You're, you're, you know, you're not um, going to be out that kind of expense, you know, in that case. But uh, I, I partially owned a diesel shop just to get back to my history um, with a good friend of mine, uh, had about 10 years of, of experience on his belt. I just graduated from tech school uh, shortly after that uh, at the age of uh, 19, 20 uh, years old. I'm, I'm 25 now. So um, shortly out of school, I had to learn from the very beginning how to side operate a business. And it was a learning curve <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, not, not many people realize it, but when you open up your own business, you open up your own shop, you know, there's a lot of stress behind that. Um, you know, when you're opening up a shop and the biggest hurdle that you have is, uh, waiting on parts <laughs> is one thing. Um, and then another thing is trying to please everybody, which you won't always do, unfortunately, on that. So, uh, so yeah, there's that. Um, there was a few different things that um, I wanted to share with emissions related. Um, so in my career, um, 90% of the failures that we saw whether it be Cummins, PowerStroke, Duramax, was all emissions-related failures um, for the most part. Um, Duramaxes, uh, we did a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reductant heater uh, in the in the def def tank. That was pretty common that we had on Duramaxes, uh, which it's all across the board. Um, and then you have sending unit issues uh, in the def tank was another thing, but um, very expensive uh, to repair. You know, a lot of guys, when they buy these trucks, you know, if they're new, you know, they're still under warranty, so they don't have to, 
you know, worry about being out of pocket for those kind of expenses. But once you're out of warranty, um, you know, what do you do after that? Um, and man, I've seen some guys that have had good life out of DPF systems, um, somewhere within, uh, 150, 200,000 miles, somewhere around that range, uh, before they start to have some serious issues. But honestly, man, it varies across the board, uh, yeah. with every truck, every truck's different. You know, you could have a, um, a DPF issue with it staying clogged within 50,000 miles. You know, it's, it, it's just one of those things. It's, it's kind of like a CP4 failure. You know, it's, it's not, it varies across truck to truck. You know, you can have somebody, they had a original CP4 in the truck with 300,000 miles and it's still running strong. Uh, and you could have a truck that had 40,000 miles and it had a CP4 failure under warranty. So um, it just varies across the board on that. Um, honestly, guys, if just to be, because the reason I wanted to get on this podcast was regardless of what's going on uh, with the EPA, um, I understand that the EPA is not really wanting to go after the end user, you know, the people that are, uh, that own personal trucks, you know, they're going down the road. I'm not saying that it may come down to that eventually, um, if, if it ever does, uh, unless the EPA has more limitations on, on what they can control. Uh, but, uh, honestly, guys, if, if I, if my truck was out of warranty, um, and I did not have the the means to want to put that stuff back on, then I, I would not put it back on. <laughs> Just to be honest on that. Um, speaking on reliability terms, um, and, it, and a lot of it depends on state regulations, you know, what your state, you know, what they regulate when they do inspections. I know there is some states where you can pass a visual inspection if you just weld in a catalytic converter. And if you eliminate the DPF and you weld in the catalytic converter, you will pass a visual inspection. Um, and a lot of these trucks that are deleted, as long as they're below 40% smoke capacity, which majority of them are, then they will pass a smoke capacity test when they're deleted. Um, the big factor in the uh, smoke capacity test is you really want to run clean tuning for one. Uh, you want to stay up with maintenance on your truck, you know, oil change, fuel filter changes, air filter, uh, you know, a lot of your different basic maintenance uh, on your truck. And a lot of these modern trucks, they're not like your old 12 valve Cummins, you know, used to be. Uh, they have a lot tighter tolerances and they run a lot more efficiently than, you know, they used to. And, uh, and a lot of that is behind you know, uh, EPA, uh, we, we've, we've had to, manufacturers have had to really improve the, uh, the efficiency of these trucks so that they don't put out a lot of emissions, uh, in that case, because those that are equipped, you know, with a DPF, uh, system in place, but taking off the DPF and, uh, running a, a pipe in its place, uh, and, you know, you're, you're running clean tuning, uh, you know, staying up to date on on all your maintenance on the truck. Um, you know, a lot of these trucks can stay below that 40% uh, opacity, uh, you know, where if you do a smog test, you know, in your state. Um, but it just all depends on your state, you know, regulations, you know, what they require. I know California, they do OBD testing, um, you know, on their trucks. And a lot of times when uh, they have to uh, 
look into your ECM to find if you have any tunes loaded on there. Um, sometimes in situations like that, um, you can uh, flash the truck back to stock um, and uh, or you can do emissions on tuning during that point in time. Uh, you know, that would all be carb approved, of course. Uh, but uh, there's there's a few ways around it, but a lot of it depends on, you know, your state. I know New Jersey, they're uh, pretty strict right now. I saw a kid on Facebook that uh, the uh, EPA was going to salvage his truck uh, because of it being deleted uh, there in New Jersey. So that was kind of a sad ordeal um, on that. Um, I, I have my viewpoint on that is is very, uh, very unconstitutional. Uh, in that sense, uh, to take away somebody's personal belongings like that. And, you know, because of the fact that, you know, the truck didn't have, you know, it wasn't up to standard, basically. Uh, and who knows, the kid might have bought it that way. You know, it's not his fault if, if that was the case. But uh, EPA didn't care. Uh, you know, they were just going to salvage the truck anyway. So he was parting it out uh, just to make some money on it, on that. So I, th I think one of the <clears throat> really tough parts, because I was, I was thinking back to, when like 2007 and a half 2008 and how the trucks changed with the emission systems and with podcasts i've done more recent asking shop owners or businesses about the emission systems now and how they're more efficient i think what you talked about with reliability is really what drove a lot of that market because it was almost like the standards were too advanced for the technology at the time and so right. you know if we look at a 2008 six seven cummins and how reliable its system was versus you know 2021 2022 it's entirely different and you know any conversations i've had over the years or things that i've read i'd say probably 95 percent of the people were right in that category you talked about with they just need the truck to run they can't have it go into fail safe there's these other things right. that weren't building necessarily race trucks with it but then also as we transition that into you know where things are at now, which are, it's so different than 2008 or 2015 or 2016, mm -hmm. um, is with the Clean Air Act. And I think the, right. the, the way that it's written and, and what these standards are, it, it just makes it, it makes it so much more, I'd say difficult in a way no matter what state you're in or, or what it might be where there's these standards that are there that, that they're set and what you can do to your truck is, is so vastly different. We hear about carb numbers and um, you know, testing on a national level, testing in California that I think right. the, the climate of what you can do to a truck is so different. And, and I know I've done episodes talking with like a lawyer or manufacturer, people are testing, but when it comes down to the actual end user, like I remember um, reading that article from, uh, I think it was the drive magazine that talked with the guy in New Jersey. And I think it was the state that had said, Hey, this is not up to standard. This is what you have to do. And, and I'm sure that happens, you know, maybe other places, I don't know, but what do you think as far as the way that the clean air act is written and these emission standards are set having to abide by them as an end user um, or as a shop owner because it seems like right. there's just a line in the sand and you have to do this testing to sell this part or have it on your truck and so i was curious about your thoughts on, on that side on that side of uh 
I, I want to call it a debate, but just the conversation right. that's surrounding emissions and yeah. diesel vehicles and everything. It, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, to be honest with you um, about the Clean Air Act and, and you know, the EPA's uh, motive to all of a sudden enforce uh, all of these uh, stricter emissions on diesel trucks, I understand. I firmly believe there are bigger threats at hand than what we're dealing with right now that the EPA needs to focus on uh, versus taking out the middle class Americans. A lot of us shop owners that majority of us, I would say, would probably be in the middle class, you know, spectrum and, you know, being sentenced to uh, larger jail times uh, than what a person would have if they smuggled drugs. <laughs> in that case, um, it, it's getting a little bit um uh, intense in that nature in my personal opinion um i honestly don't believe that the epa cares about pollution or climate change i think that this is a me personally from what i've seen what i've what i've read on the different things i think that a lot of this is a big political money scheme and it's, it's one of those things where the EPA is going to do what the EPA thinks is best to help benefit the organization and not care about the American people is how I see it as. Um, back, I was reading an article back in 2019, the EPA made a statement that uh, they believed in 2019 that drinking water was more of a bigger concern than uh, climate change. So since then, since I would say probably last year or the year before, I'm, I would say 2020 wasn't uh, too terrible. I would say 2021 and on now, it's starting to get more, you know, more intense, I would say, from what I've seen. Um, but uh I don't know. It, I, don't, I don't understand why um, it's such a huge enforcement. I think we have a lot uh, greater threats out there than, uh, you know, trying to, you know, take out uh, diesel trucks on the road or, um, you know, take out, uh, uh, you know, the diesel industry as a whole. You know, there, there's a lot of great guys out there uh, in the diesel industry. Um, you know, a lot of super nice guys. Um, and uh, a lot of them have, you uh, family to feed and, and a house and you know the, a lot of these guys make a living off of this and uh it's 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 really sad to see our uh country you know turn into this way where you know it's it's more more of uh more so uh communism if you will uh like uh you know in that sense it's it's I don't know. It, it's changed a lot the past few years. Um, it's it's uh, in it, some of it, honestly, um, I think honestly would say that majority of us guys, uh, enthusiasts, uh, diesel shop owners, I would say a lot of us would disagree with uh, uh, majority of us would probably disagree with the Democratic Party uh, in their decisions. And, and because of that, I think that's one of the reasons why the EPA is going after uh, the types of people like us is, you know, our beliefs that we have 
um, you know, with the industry and, you know, just our political views. I wouldn't say majority of the guys that uh, are in the industry probably even voted for Biden, to be honest with you. Um, but some of it could could be that a lot of your a big percentage of of people that uh, may own uh, uh, Teslas or, or Priuses, you know, the the eco friendly type of people, you know, that's those are the types of people that is going to get you know, the Democratic Party votes, you know, in 2024, you know, when we start the new election. So I think there's a lot of different things uh, involved with this. I think there's a lot of little pieces and parts, and we don't know what all goes on behind closed doors. I think there's a lot more that would be shocking uh, for us to see. Um, because honestly, you can't, I mean, you can't trust the government uh, and a lot of different shady things they've done, you know, a long time ago or you know, past few years, there's, I mean, there's not anything that I know about, but uh, uh, there's, it, I don't know, it, it's just a tough, tough subject. I know that there's a lot of missing pieces uh, to this on that. Whenever, whenever we've covered different emissions topics, I always like to follow the comments on, on YouTube and some of them are, you know, there's two or 300 comments on there. And I like to see uh, the points or, or the things that that people mention because i'm genuinely curious in the the topic and I, I like to step back and try to understand all the different sides of it and so i wanted to pose this question to you because I, I read it on our most recent episode last week and going back into august or even going back three years is uh one of the things people will say is okay i understand you know why people want better performance or why they want better reliability but because of the law itself, removing these things is technically breaking it. So why should it be a surprise if, you know, a shop or a manufacturer gets a fine or that the agency that Congress gave the power to enforce the act is enforcing the act? So I was curious about your thoughts with that as it pertains to the way the Clean Air Act is written, what it, it, what's set forth with what you can do, can't do. And then what's happened, I know it's not just diesel, I know I know it also happens in gas, but to somebody who has mm -hmm. that perspective, how would you, what would you say, or what, what would your thoughts be as far as that perspective of they're breaking the law, they knew they broke the law, it's being enforced, so, you know, why are they, why are they surprised by it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's kind of a it's kind of a tough uh, tough answer on that. Um, I understand you have a lot of different viewpoints on on that same question. You know, you would have um, you would have some guys like me that that would be more uh, more open to um, not having those types of issues. You know, if I was a if I was a person that uh, uh, you know, let's say I did, uh, gosh, hot shot trucking. 
just for example, uh, you know, I'm always on the road, uh, you know, uh, always pulling loads, uh, you know, things like that. You know, what if I'm going down the road one day and uh, all of a sudden I get uh, reduced engine power? You know, let's say I have a sensor fault or EGT sensor fault uh, in the DPF, then that's going to put me out of business, you know, for, for the rest of the day or, or a few days, uh, being on back order parts these days. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to answer your question on that, um, I guess the question you're asking me is, is in a sense that people are, I guess, shocked by it is, is what you're getting at on that. Yeah. That um, they seem to be sh shocked that people are surprised that a shop or manufacturer got fined when, removing the emission systems isn't, it's against the law. And so not that they're necessarily for emissions or for all driving electric vehicles, but they're just putting forth that, that, uh, you know, position that it's against the law, they broke it. And that's that. And so I was curious of, you know, from your perspective, the different parts of the industry you've worked in, just as somebody really into diesels, what do you think about that position that some may take? Great question. So, um, I mean, we are talking about the government here. <laughs> so, uh, the government can not only uh, uh, investigate the shop in general, but they can also investigate social media. That, that's a big thing nowadays. And I think social media was one of the reasons why, or one of the one of the factors that came to play as, as to why the EPA is standing up a lot more these past few years is because of social media uh, in, in general. Uh, you know, people uh, rolling coal on uh, Teslas and, you know, things like that. So I think a lot of that was kind of a motive. And I think a lot of people got butthurt about it, uh, uh, you know, just eco-friendly people, uh, just self-entitled. Uh, and, uh, you know, finally they said, well, we're going to do this, this, and this, and here we are. So, um, as far as shops in general, um, if, if they have any sort of evidence, you know, laying in the shop, like some of the other owners that you've had on the podcast, um, I know if, if a person's smart, they're not going to leave any evidence behind. Um, but, um, if, if there's, uh, you know, uh, DPF systems laying out in the shop or um, you have, uh, I know a lot of tuning now is on the cloud, uh, so it's a little bit easier to, to hide in that sense. But um, uh, there's a few factors to that uh, on that part. But I understand that people are shocked about it. I mean, I've, I have uh, basically spectated in the shadows and, and finally I wanted to, you know, come out and uh, voice my opinion about it. Uh, a lot of the passion that, that a lot of us can share on, on diesels in general. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the capabilities that diesels have in general over, you know, even gasoline uh, in that sense. So um, there, there's a few factors to that, uh, Patrick. Um, like I said, there, there may be somebody that there may have been somebody on uh, social media, for example, that, that could have commented and tagged that shop in there and said, hey, thanks for the tune and, and delete, you know, so on and so forth. So the government tracks a lot of those things and, and they can search keywords. They can. Um, the biggest thing that questions me is. Sometimes it's random places 
in the United States, uh, random shops. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I, I was trying to figure out is uh, what, what really got it to that point. Um, were, were they a big vendor? You know, did they sell a lot of uh, delete parts and, and were just kind of spread like wildfire? You know, were they a big distributor for, uh, you know, uh, uh, delete part companies, uh, you know, things like that? Or, um, of course, the list goes on, on on vendors. You know, there's so many of them uh, that used to be out there. But uh, um, could it be that? Could it be? You know, they advertised their business, advertised it, you know, didn't think it was such a big deal. And now it is. And then they're they're just like, oh, shit, you know, it's could be one of those things. Um, it varies across the board. Man, there's so much that goes on at a shop day to day. You just forget about those things because you're just so used to the old days. And, you know, some of us may or some people may get carried away that, you know, uh, doing a video of a truck, you know, that just did a delete on and, you know, doing a pull on it down the road. You know, it's it's one of those things. I think some of us are um, some of us are still stuck in, you know, the older older days where, you know, things were much simpler and, you know, we basically felt free. You won't be be honest with you, um, but uh, it's uh, definitely changed a lot um in that sense so maybe you can collaborate more on that yeah i think on a recent episode one of the guests had mentioned um, being able to go on the epa website and filling out a form if you suspect that there's a delete or violation of the clean air act or i'm not sure how specific it is like um you know i think this truck is deleted but i think being able to find it especially that way makes it very easy and i, I think we're probably not going to have a direction or know what exactly happens with that form. Does it, um, you know, result in a request for information? Does it, you know, do people show up and want to see what you're selling, what you're installing? Um, right. We don't know, but it basically creates a way for really a neighbor to say, Hey, I think this truck is deleted or I think the shop deletes it, or I see this black smoke pouring out of the, you know, the dyno or, or what it might be. So I think, <laughs> I think that's something that, um, I don't know how new it is because I think I, I remember reading over the years, magazines have covered it with social media yeah. and how they would, you know, you could easily find stuff. And even now when I go onto Facebook, I can see, I don't think they're in the U S I think they're in other countries, but they'll market, you know, these things and you see right. them there. So it's easy to see this right. stuff. And um, yeah, I just think it kind of changed a little bit or it made me think, okay, I can go on a website and fill out a form. If I think this vehicle doesn't have its emissions present. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things, um, you know, uh, Corey Willis uh, posted it on his page and uh, that's actually where I found it. Uh, you know, I just stumbled across my newsfeed on Facebook a few days ago and uh, I saw that the EPA was now releasing uh, forms that people could use to uh, submit claims to those that, uh, you know, were against the Clean Air Act, if you will. So, to give the to give a local citizen that power of authority, I don't think that's right. I don't. I think some people could really uh, exercise that power um, in general because, like I said on Corey's post, I said that um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what state you live in. There will always be those types of eco friendly entitled people out there, and 
it could it could even be just an old man driving down the road, just minding his own business. Who knows? He might have had the truck deleted for five years, and it, it's just been a good truck to him. And you have somebody that's, uh, let's say he's pulling a trailer. He's got a load on that truck. Well, if you got a load on that truck, it's going to puff a little bit of smoke, you know, usually, if it's got a load on it. Um, and somebody uh, behind them uh, files a claim. And that guy, that old man, does prison time or pays fines on top of that. So I think depending on the circumstance, I don't think it's the right uh, the right thing to give local citizens that kind of power of authority. I think that a lot of people could exercise that, which I would think, I mean, I don't know, you know, based on uh, what the EPA has done, you know, the past year, how they've handled things, uh, especially with the sentencing with, you know, current shop owners, I think it's ridiculous. Um, but uh, I would think that the EPA would, would, um, uh, at least review those claims before dismissing charges or, or, you know, uh, uh, putting charges on somebody, you know, if, if you had a local resident or local citizen that was just trying to exercise that authority, uh, maybe they had a bad day or maybe they don't like diesels or, you know, there's a lot of different things that come to play on that. And it just doesn't make sense because, these days, we really have a lot of arrogance and we have a lot of entitlement. Uh, you know, you, you see that a lot on uh, Facebook. You know, you see that a lot. Uh, truck forms, you know, things like that. So um, the way that the with with social media nowadays, the way that the, the society has evolved as a whole. And because of that fact, I don't think it's right to, to give our society, you know, that power of authority on that so that's that's kind of my take on it uh you know to put somebody's life in in their hands you know no matter how much time they did or how, how much fines you know they could go bankrupt but not not everybody's got that kind of money uh or majority don't i would say uh so that's kind of my take on it one of the recent comments i saw on uh, one of our missions episodes is uh somebody had said um, and I thought it'd be great to ask you, <clears throat> and, and I'd like to talk about it too on air a little bit. Um, I'll clean up the language a little bit <laughs> the person used, but they said, um, why do you guys always talk about what we can't do with our trucks and not what we can do? Um, why don't you take a stand with the podcast or the show? And I thought that was really interesting because I relate that relate this back to the episodes I've done with Corey and the talks right. you know, that we had on them is personally, I don't think a lot of this was talked about um, going way back to 2012, 2013, it would be known, but I think automotive media in a way didn't want to cover it. Um, I right. don't think it worked to cover it. And right. really our goal with these isn't to say what you can't do or, be negative is to say, this is what's really going on. And this is why we're going to have different parts of the industry to talk about it so that you know, what's taking place. Like a lot of these episodes, you know, when, when a shop owner comes to me or somebody says, I want to do this episode, I always learn something from it. I don't know. Right. I don't know how the raids went. I don't know how the sentencing went. I don't know what the fines were. I don't know, you know, how it changed where they could live. 
um, you know, having house arrest for six months, um, seven figure fines. I didn't know any of this stuff. So if I'm working yeah. in this industry, covering it, like from a media perspective, is a truck owner out there, a, a Duramax enthusiast, a Cummins enthusiast, a Power Stroke owner, are they going to know this? So um, that's why yeah, we like to cover exactly. it. That's why I thought, you know, chatting with you today would be really helpful because you have, you know, a unique perspective on it. And, and I know you're passionate about it. And that's what we want to talk about. It's just, yeah. I think we all understand there's a problem with the trucks and the emission systems as far as, you know, when you bought a diesel, this is kind of a generalization, but I think at heart, every diesel owner feels this way. You want it to go 500,000 miles, 750, or you hear about yeah. those million miles diesel. Or, or longer. Miles. Yeah, or longer. Yeah. Um, you want that to be kind of your forever truck, your retirement truck. And that's why you didn't buy the gas version. And then now you have this system on it where, you know, I remember the early days, sometimes, you know, there'd be sensors that would go out or EGR would clog up all before like five or 10,000 miles. And mm -hmm. it's just this really complex, it's this really complex topic because, you know, I understand all those parts of it, but the thing that Corey did really well on our episode is talking about how we have to get involved chatting with the representatives. And I know I've seen comments about that is, okay, is that really going to fix it? Well, the way the clean air act is presented, it's very clear. The emissions lawyer we had on was very clear about it how it how it stands and it's i don't think as enthusiasts we necessarily got that involved in the automotive you know legislation or the processes or i know the yeah. rpm act has kind of picked up steam but i mean these mm -hmm. are all crucial things that if you're an enthusiast of anything with an internal combustion engine we should try to educate ourselves talk about have a dialogue with right right exactly exactly and i'm i'm I honestly uh I, I know uh you know, why you have people that comment on there is, uh, you know, it's that same fact that you said is um, buying a diesel truck nowadays is a huge investment. Yeah. Uh, you know, diesels are, are very expensive. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you could buy back in the mid thousands, you know, the when the six O's came out, you know, first came out. I imagine brand new off the line, probably thirty two, thirty five thousand. Or forty thousand, depending on your trim level. Now you're at ninety, a hundred thousand plus uh, for uh, like if you bought a platinum Ford uh, or a Denali uh, GMC uh, Duramax, you know you're going ninety, a hundred thousand or more, uh, you know for trucks. And I understand, I understand it. Um, me personally, I, I. I do not like emissions. Uh, I, we've seen so many failures of them. Um, I, 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 I do think that um, I do think uh, that that there's some people out there that <clears throat> have had good luck with it. Uh, but a lot of the 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 uh, uh, some people they they haven't had any issues, or some people have had issues. You know, premature issues, uh, even out of warranty. Like I said before. Um, you know, it's a very expensive uh, procedure, you know, doing diagnostics on a mission system, finding out what the corporate uh, culprit was because you have so many sensors just to simplify everything on the podcast so that everybody understands. Uh, but uh, um, very expensive. And, and I, I wouldn't if it was up to me, I, I wouldn't want somebody to have to pay 
that kind of extra expense when they've already invested ninety to hundred thousand dollars into a truck. I, I just wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, I, now I didn't think of asking you this question before the podcast, but I, th- I just thought of it right now. <laughs> Is <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> do you think that there is? If I step back for a second and I say, okay, could there be no emissions on diesel trucks? Probably not because every, you know, gas vehicles have it. Um, yeah. And maybe. Yeah. What, what, if anything, do you think, say an entity like the EPA or even a state agency that's like that could accommodate or understand or put forth that we kind of meet in the middle, I guess, I guess you could say, um, right. you know, is there, is there a way to step back and say, what kind of technology is out there? What is realistic for these millions of vehicles to be able to hit, um, right. versus, and this is just my opinion, I'll, my perspective yeah. is it's kind of like yeah. there's a goal set forward and then the big three, scrambling to meet it they can meet it and then the trucks are out there and then owners are kind of beta testing the technology and right. the software i think there's a lot i mean uh you know uh lenny reed for example at, at ddp uh, a lot of the things that they've done with with injectors uh in general uh uh you know the nozzles on injectors um i think that's one advancement uh to where we can make diesels uh, a lot more efficient uh in that sense um um, Vinny was mentioning uh, water methanol injection. Uh, I think I've seen one truck in, in my career that had water methanol injections. It's it's kind of a mess <laughs> to set up, but uh, uh, but it does. I mean, it does make those engines clean, like super clean uh, with water methanol. So, um, <clears throat> but I don't think majority of consumers out there would would like to add stuff to their trucks like they do with DEF. So. It's um, it's more the aspect of, you know, maybe possibly some of these aftermarket companies uh, getting together with manufacturers and, and, and designing something uh, that uh, would make it more efficient for, you know, new production trucks. Um, and who knows, maybe eliminate the DPF and uh, have yourself more of an advanced catalytic converter in its place that alongside, you know, more efficient combustion um, where it's not putting out a lot of pollution, uh, you know, in the atmosphere, you know, there's, I know we have the technology. Um, it's just a matter of testing and, you know, uh, different factors, you know, have a lot of experts come in, um, to do a lot of different testing and and what they specialize in. And I honestly think that we could find something better than, than what we have. I really do. And I think a lot of that could get away from the cost of ownership with every other diesel owner out there if they do have um an emissions related failure you know what they expect to spend after that um i think we could really limit the cost on that uh at that at that point i think the technology side is what really has me excited when you think back to you know older trucks like a 2003 5.9 Cummins or a 96 12 valve or even a six liter. And now you look at these brand new trucks and the power they make through the systems and within the emissions framework they have to operate in. 
I mean, guys used to spend ten to fifteen thousand dollars. You get a built transmission, turbo injector, CP3 upgrade, a tuner, yeah. just to hit these, you know, these higher power levels, um, or mid five hundreds, yeah. you know, something like that. Where these guys are doing it with an emissions on, you know, forty nine or fifty state legal tune, um, right? And thinking about to the you know the gas days when um, I don't remember the exact power number I guess mentioned, but it was like the Corvette with two hundred ten horsepower or something like that way back when. Where now. Right. Your six, seven, eight hundred horsepower, and you have all the emission stuff on. So I get excited thinking about what kind of technology, both with the OEMs and the aftermarket, can happen to maybe right. there is you can meet these standards without the DPF or without the EGR being as aggressive or whatever technology is out there. Right. That would really be kind right. of the the sweet spot where I think you know a truck owner would be happy because it, it lasts longer. A shop would be happier because they don't have to worry about what part they're selling, who has. You know the testing number um i think that would really be where it all comes together i think it would be too um and i think that um just lost my train of thought um <laughs> uh, what was i saying it's that uh lazy sunday uh, <laughs> mind. where it all uh, where it all kind of comes together where maybe there is technology that can allow yeah, the changing yeah. of the exhaust system or other components and still, you know, meeting, a, meeting right. some standard. Right. And like I said, is, is a lot of these trucks now, um, uh, uh, they, they, they run very efficiently. Uh, a lot of the newer diesels do, uh, cause they have such tight tolerances and the manufacturer builds them that way to, you know, coincide with, you know, having a DPF system because, you know, with the engine burning more efficiently, then, you know, it, you're able to go that range on the uh, particulate filter before it gets full and you have to do a regen. And, you know, that brings up another point with, uh, with DPFs in general, um, you're still polluting the air with a DPF. Uh, whenever you do a uh, regen, um, you know, you're just containing all of that particulate matter, you know, over a period of time, but, that particular matter, it's got to come out sooner or another. So, you know, instead of it being uh, diesel exhaust smoke, you know, in the early generation trucks, now it's a mixture of diesel exhaust smoke and chemicals. And, you know, if you ever uh, uh, look inside of a DPF, you know, you have uh, platinum for one, you have uh, fiberglass material. So, it's it's a very uh, very toxic stuff uh, that that you're that you're breathing uh, inside that DPF. So, is it better <laughs> for the environment? Um, I don't think so, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I think honestly, you're. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it, it. I think that's a really big key with this for people who aren't enthusiasts. Um, might right. not even you know, a vehicle is just point A to point B is when we think of electric vehicles and, you know, they can be talked about as, you know, zero emissions vehicles. And I think to myself, well, what about making the metal and the plastic and the batteries and the glass and all the different things that go exactly. into that vehicle? We just all shifted it. We just moved it from yeah. the end user to someplace else. And I think with what you're talking about with the DPF, um, or just, you know, in general, we're just moving kind of around where, where's it coming from? Um, you know, obviously yeah. the trucks are different. What you see come out of the tailpipe um, can be different, 
but it's just it kind of goes back to that we're just shifting kind of where it is in in some respects right right yeah and not to mention you know some uh uh people that work those trucks that have you know dpf equipped trucks um you know that's a big fire hazard you know if you have a truck that's just uh sitting there in regions uh and you catch something on fire then uh you know that's a concern um uh, so um yeah, I, I do feel that there's more research that can be done. Um, I don't know what's going to happen towards the end of this year uh, with the EPA. You know, if there's going to be some more limitations or um, anything of that nature. Uh, I guess we'll wait and see on that. Um, it's just kind of a waiting game. But um, I do think that with, with the technology we have, I think that we could find a different way to where we reduced reduce the cost to the consumer people that do buy diesel trucks you know because they want them to last and like i said it's a huge investment i mean it costs basically what a house does yeah, <laughs> or what a house used to cost i <laughs> yeah. would say but um <laughs> it's uh it's a very big investment and you have a lot of guys that don't want to put up with the bullshit so uh they they take it off in that sense so um it's i mean i can relate to that i'm it's it's very inconvenient if you're using your truck and then you go into limp mode or <clears throat> you have so many miles to to add def. You know it's it's not a for for a person that works a truck every day. It's it's not a it's 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 a uh, it's a hindrance, I guess, if you will, is the term I'm looking for. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts. I think it's it's definitely something that needs to stay at the the forefront because there's. I know there's not a, a ton of EV trucks, but anything I've ever read with towing capacity range, things like that, it, it doesn't compare to the Cummins, a Duramax or a power stroke. And a lot of these trucks are driving the economy in one way or another, whether it's a contractor building homes or uh, going to job sites or doing industrial construction right. or tons of different right. occupations and services that are out there. They're going to be around for a while. Um, and, and I think as they get more mileage, things are getting more expensive. I know parts availability, supply chain things, it seems to be no end in sight to yeah. it. So, you yeah. know, it, it, it really needs a solution. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see where you're going there. I mean, there's certain emissions parts that you buy nowadays and they're, they're on back order. So, uh, what does a man do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he has no choice but to take it off and uh, keep that truck moving. So uh, if you got a lot of part supply shortages, then at that point, it's it's kind of a no brainer. You know, if I can't get the part, then I have no choice or I don't have a truck the next day. So you're putting it into that perspective, too. Um, you know, we've experienced a lot of a lot of part shortages, you know, since COVID. Um, and I'm really surprised that it's still at this point, you know, cause COVID was, you know, 2019, 2020 and it's 2022 now. And, you know, we're still suffering from, you know, part related shortages on that. Well, I think one of the things that really surprised me was learning how many trucks sit because it's, yeah, you know, sitting in a shop for three, four or five months because the shop isn't going, you know, to take parts off. They're going to, you know, tell the customer, I can't do this. Um, we've got to wait for okay. Ford or you know Cummins or GM to get this part in, yeah. and 
I don't know how often that happens, but I, I've heard it more than once. And so you're out of a truck for a while. So it, it's like, uh, it's just, it's a big challenge, but I love, I love talking about this because there's so many different perspectives and I appreciate you reaching out to, you know, to share your opinions and some of the insights and, and, you know, voice, uh, you know, voice your thoughts on it. Cause I, like I said, I see him, I see him on YouTube. I see him all the time and I like to just yeah. learn as much as I can um, present yeah. it to people. We have a good conversation about it, understand the the different, you know, things that are out there. It's one of the biggest kind of shock moments I had, it was with Corey and the recent episode we did. Mm-hmm. And when he was talking with somebody from the EPA, they said, well, why do you need a 3,500 dually? And I thought that's a major <laughs> disconnect because there yeah. is a definite need for them. And right. I don't know if I necessarily want to drive one in a major city every day and park it on the sidewalk, but that's not how guys are doing it. They're using it to haul, farm, do construction. There's absolutely a need for that truck. And so I think, you know, more information that we can share, maybe somebody hears this and they, you know, are just interested yeah. in the topic and they go, oh, that's why people need um, a three quarter ton dually or, um, or one ton yeah. dually. A three-quarter ton truck. I see the purpose that it serves. I see why these guys are are talking about this. I see why they're passionate and they're saying, "Hey, this is the issue we're having, you know, with our trucks and our business and our livelihood." Um, it helped to understand it a little bit better. Right. Well, I, I definitely enjoyed <clears throat> chatting with you. I appreciate you reaching out and sharing your thoughts, you know, with me and and sitting down, you know, here on a Sunday to to chat yeah. with me. And it's I wasn't it's, sure if I was supposed to give that out or not. <laughs> I do. Or you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it's it's helpful. It's why we love doing them. And I know that diesel enthusiasts, when they look out there, they're not going to hear an episode like this or a lot of the other ones we do, um, because the reason we do this is to talk about trends and news and what's going on and and we have the ultimate freedom to do it because we don't sell parts i don't have a website to direct people towards and and you know pull them in and then you know give them uh, a code or, or my extension to call me so we can cover this in all the different facets of it so that's what was really cool when you reached out to me um it's like hey i want to share my thoughts i just want to talk about what i think um you know about what's going on and so i appreciate you doing that um you know if anyone else out there wants to as well you can find us on instagram facebook but again i appreciate your time today shelton and uh you know sharing your opinions and and talking with us about something we're all passionate about which is diesel trucks yes sir thank you patrick thank you for your time don't forget diesel fans make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com use code diesel 20 for 20 percent off site wide it's a great way to save some money if you're in the market you need an edc knife something for hunting fishing at work around the house we appreciate our friends over there offering it exclusively for you guys that listen to the diesel podcast also want to give a shout out to some of our patreon supporters tyler lona 23 diesel also caleb all of our patreon supporters all of you who are on our discord follow us on youtube the podcast apps instagram facebook we appreciate your support we love hearing your guys's feedback your opinions um so if there's an episode you'd like us to do a guest you'd like to have on or if you just want to come on the podcast and you want to talk about whatever it might be pertaining to trucks the industry news trends let us know you can email us at info at or you can find us on instagram and facebook there as well or join our discord there's a lot of great builds a lot of great information um a lot of our guests have you know, set on their head. I'd love to talk about my, my OBS power stroke or my Cummins build or my Duramax. So definitely make sure and reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to chat with you until next time. Keep the shiny side up.